to episode four of the Major League Boys. Today is Saturday, March 19th. I am Hank, that is Ty, and that is Andrew. And today we have a lot to talk about. Like we said last week, baseball is officially back. We've got spring training games are starting. A lot of trades and signings happened for Major League Baseball. And there were also a lot of offseason moves for NFL that we get to talk about. And let's not forget that we are getting closer to the NBA playoffs. Uh, today, though, I wanted to start by talking about a couple of the potential rule changes for the 2023 baseball season. Uh, the first one that I wanted to go over real quick is the potential shift or limit, or excuse me, ban or limit on defensive shifting. Uh, what are your guys' opinion on the potential to limit or completely ban uh, defensive shifting? You know, I, I, I think it ruins the the nature of the game in my opinion i think that it's uh it's one of those things where it it it, it, it basically it, it's mostly to help the batter and i under, i understand that you know it's a batter's league we want to make sure that you know we're we're appeasing uh the part of the game that everybody comes to see when they show up to a stadium they want to see you know people making big hits they want to see the sluggers like you know it's it's a big you know part of the actual sport itself but um, from my perspective, I think it just ruins the concept of having a fluid game, mostly because, you know, every game comes to strategy. This game is very much a strategy. Uh, it's very much a strategy-driven league. It's, a, it's it's the nature of the sport. And so I think when you remove the, the potential shift of players to actually accommodate how a batter actually hits, I think you're limiting the co- the, the competitive possibility for the game. And I think that it's just sort of... Uh, creating a handicap in a sense for the batters that are not able to, uh, to compete at, you know, when the shift is available. So I think that it ruins what, what I would believe the game to be as far as a strategic, from a strategic aspect. I think that that just sort of ruins how um, the games are actually being coached. And um, it's just, it's, it's handicapping the, the game in order to appease what they want to see more of. And um so I'm kind of against it, but you know we haven't seen it yet in full in full strength. So, you know I could be wrong. It might actually work out better. Who knows? But um, that's just sort of how I see it. Yeah. So like, <clears throat> um, originally when I first saw it, I, I was going along with what a lot of other people were saying. Whereas, if you're if the defense is shifting on you when you come to the plate, then maybe you should start learning how to try and. Um, hit opposite side instead of pulling the ball. Uh, now, I know that that's a very hard thing to do for these guys. Um, but at the same time, they're at that professional level. They should be able to start making those adjustments. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of the batters don't want to take – maybe they don't want to take the time to make the adjustments. But, I mean, you know, who am I to really say that? Uh, but I kind of also agree with, you know, let's shift it to where you don't have – your third baseman, your shortstop, and your second baseman out in the green in the outfield with the right center and left fielders. And now this is just going to be an out either by strikes or by a, a simple put out. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see more doubles and triples and, and some more excitement get put back into the game. And if this does that and it draws a larger crowd and it draws more new young fans and you know, maybe it's what the game needs at this time. 
Um, but well, like you said, we'll see. Uh, Andrew, what do you think? Uh, I'm not sure what to think about it. Like, really, it—they're really just trying to make the game a little more exciting, and they're—they're they're just grasping at straws here for this kind of thing. And maybe it'll be good in the long run. You never know, but. We know that baseball is going to be changing at least coming up here in the MLB, just as they try to they try to catch up with like NBA and NFL stuff. Like you just they um, they're having issues right now bringing in a younger crowd. Most of them are going to be most of the crowd currently are like diehard fans like us. They're people who've just been going to the same team for years and years of their lives. So like really the whole aspect of like the entertainment value of televising baseball is kind of kind of dying so yeah um yeah i i understand that and that's it is very common to hear people when you ask them are you a baseball fan They're like i'll go to a game but i'm not gonna sit and watch it on tv right so. <clears throat> um and the other uh potential rule change is the introduction of a pitch clock uh, to kind of speed up the pitches, speed up the game a little bit. Um, and, you know, this is another thing that I agree with. If we speed things up, uh, you start to just get into having more action per the amount of time that you're there. And, um, you know, as long as they do it in a, in a tasteful way to introduce these clocks and, uh, you know, make sure that there's not just one umpire watching the clock. Uh, you want your you, you want your home base plate umpire to really just focus on the strike zones and call the right striker ball. Um, but uh, what, what's your guys' input? Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think the, the pitch clock is, is definitely an, uh, an interesting addition, um, mostly because, you know, I, I think that's a big proponent to why a lot of people don't want to watch at home uh, and why people don't is because, you know, pitchers sit on the mound for, a long period of time and it just sort of seems like they're you know just sort of scoping everything and i get that that's part of a strategic standpoint especially from a pitcher and you want to make sure you get the right pitch in and um it's definitely putting a lot of pressure on the mound for sure but i i think that it's uh an interesting change i think it could potentially make the game a little bit more um fast paced which is what i think they're trying to accomplish is you know they 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 want the game to be almost as exciting as yeah, as football could be, which even if it's not attainable, they want to at least try. And um, I, I think that there's a potential chance that it could, you know, make the game a little quicker. It could speed up the, you know, the process. And also not only that, but when you put pressure on the mound, you know, sometimes uh, either pitchers are going to respond or not. And if they don't, then uh, again, it's a batter's league. And that's just opening up the door for, uh, you know, for batters to take advantage of a situation where the, the pitchers are under more duress. So I, I, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I'm interested to see what it looks like. Uh, but, you know, I think it's, it has the potential to be a positive change. And I think it also has drawbacks, depending on how you're looking at it. But, um, but yeah, it's interesting. I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. I like it. I, I think making it – that would definitely make the game a lot more quick-paced. Um, like you said, I do get the strategy aspect, too, is, like, when you're trying to scope out the crowd. But, like, really, as a pitcher, you're, you're kind of – you're like their quarterback right now. You're supposed to just kind of like be able to call the pitch, maybe not right away, but like take a couple seconds to think. But you know they have that's what they'll have the pitch clock for. And take a look, scan the field, and then just go. 
Uh, I think what people normally do on the mound when they take that much time is they're trying to stretch the length of their arm so they don't have to swatch out, uh, swap out pitchers as quick. Yeah. Uh, I think removing that ability will uh, probably lengthen the pitcher's arm, the, the life of the pitcher's arm, too, over the entirety of their career a little more, I think, because it will cause them to like more strategically swap out. And then also we won't have that lull where we're like, at like eighth inning, are we going to swap out the pitcher because his arm's fucking blown out now? You know. Yeah. So, yeah. That is one like thing it. I didn't take into account is the the lineup situation for the bullpen, like how that's going to be handled with the pitch clock because obviously you know the pitcher's arm uh, becomes a factor when he's constantly having to pitch every however long, fifteen seconds, five seconds. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to give a pretty good buffer for how long it's going to take uh, for somebody to get a pitch off. But I imagine also that at some capacity, they're going to, um, you know, change up their bullpen strategy too, which is, you know, I, I, that's the thing about baseball. You make any sort of rule changes and it changes the whole scope of strategy from top bottom to how they actually, oh, yeah. you know, do anything within, um, w- within the game. And, and so that's why, you know, changing any rules is, is, kind of significant much more significant in this game than i think it could be for you know any other game mostly because uh you know a lot of baseball comes down to strategy comes down to not only just that but like how how you use specific players in particular because they're each player has their own specific skill set at their certain range and and of course that's the same way across different leagues but it's much more true between the nuances in baseball so when you have a pitcher who's like a relief pitcher and a closer, like that could potentially change that whole format if you give him a, if you give him a pitch clock. Maybe not as significantly as I'm suggesting, but um, just the introduction of that could change that slightly, and that's something I didn't take into account. But yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> All right, so we're gonna move on from rule changes uh, to actual free agency movements and trades. Uh, So we recorded last Saturday. Uh, So these are the trades that happened Saturday, March 12th, or not just trades, but signings and things like that. So Jordan Lyles signed with the Orioles for one year and $7 million. The White Sox signed Josh Harrison and Joe Kelly. The Blue Jays signed uh, Yusei Kikuchi for three years and $36 million. The Rangers traded Isaiah Kanner Falafa and Ronnie Enriquez to the Twins for Mitch Garver. The Nationals signed Steve uh, Sishik. And the big one uh, that I wanted to talk about for Saturday was the Mets trading two minor leaguers to the Athletics for Chris Bassett to add to their already impressive pitching rotation. Um, So real quick. Chris Bassett is 33 years old, and his numbers from last year, he had a 3.9 war, um, 3.15 ERA with 159 strikeouts. Uh, he didn't play in 2017. He had top 10 Cy Young votes for two years in a row. He was an all-star last year, and he's joining DeGrom and Scherzer in the pitching rotation for the Mets. The Mets are really wanting to go for it all, and they are showing it with who they sign. Uh, yeah. what, what do you, what's your guys' take on, on this trade? Two minor leaguers for a really a, a pretty really good pitcher. Yeah, you know, well, you know, I I think they I think the Mets stacked the deck with 
Scherzer, you know, they, they have a pretty decent uh, bullpen lineup already now, but now that this added, you know, an additional, you know, big league pitcher in it. And I think that, uh, you know, obviously they're showing that they want to be competitive. They're showing that they want to have, uh, you know, a pretty, a pretty lethal change in, in lineups as far as pitching goes. And, um, you know, I, I think it's going to help them down the stretch of, you know, late time, you know, innings when, you know, during the seven to, to, to nine innings, I think that's really what's going to help them there. And, um, I, I think they're just trying to, you know, compensate for the fact that, you know, their, their, their batting lineups are, you know, there's, there's some holes there, you know, they have a couple of good batters, but, um, I think they could, I think they're just trying to find the best way to win and, and be competitive again. And, um, you know, I, I hope that it shapes out. I think two minors is, uh, you know, I, I think that's a pretty decent deal. I think they, you know, they could have gotten more for it, but, uh, you know, it, Overall, I think it's it played out better for the Mets. I think the Mets definitely got a, you know what they wanted out of it, which is a you know, big league pitcher again, obviously. And uh, I think they'll we'll we'll see if they're going to be competitive. I think it definitely helps their chances uh, again late in stretch of games. So um, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, yeah. I I can yeah I can understand that point. Like I, I could agree with that. Uh, Honestly, on the other side of that, though, like we're assuming that the Mets have crystal clear in mind what their strategy is, and <laughs> that's not the Mets I know for one. But uh, yeah, uh, they could have. It could have just been a knee-jerk reaction to the whole pitch clock introduction. Never know that. Like maybe they want to just swap out pitchers a lot quicker, like we were talking about. But I, I think they're better off. Wow. But I, I don't, I don't really think they understand a hundred percent what they're doing yet. Yeah, I mean, and, and to look back at last year, the Mets finished 77-85, and 85, and that put them right in the middle of the NL East, behind the Braves and the Phillies and ahead of the Marlins and Nationals. So um, so we'll, we'll see what happens this, uh, this coming year. Um, this pitching rotation that they're establishing. Uh, moving on into Sunday, 13th. The Nationals signed Nelson Cruz for one year, $15 million. The Brewers signed Brad Boxberger for one year, $2.5 million. The Cardinals signed Nick uh, Whitgren. The Reds traded Sonny Gray and a minor leaguer, Francis uh, Paguero, to the Twins for a prospect, Chase Petty. And then the one trade I wanted to focus on for Sunday, and it's just because it's funny to me, uh, the Twins traded Josh Donaldson, Ben uh, Rortut, I don't know how to say that last name. We'll come to that later. And uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falafa to the Yankees for Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. The reason I kind of found this a little funny is this is the second trade in two days that Isaiah Kiner-Falafa had been a part of. He was traded the day before from the Rangers to the Twins, and then before he even gets to Minnesota, he's on his way to New York. Um, So the three players that the Twins traded away, you got a third baseman, a a catcher, and then Isaiah Kiner-Flaffa has played shortstop, catcher, and third base, and they're getting a two-time all-star Silver Slugger catcher in Gary Sanchez and um, a 30-year-old shortstop third baseman in Gio Urshela. Um... Now, looking at the numbers, Gary and Geo have a war of less than one with a 204 and a 267 batting average, whereas the 
Isaiah Kinderflafa has a WAR of three point seven uh, and a batting average of two seventy one, and Josh Donaldson a WAR of three point two with a batting average of two forty seven. So I think the Yankees made out better on this trade, maybe. Uh, to be fair, Josh Johnson is older. He's 36, whereas both Gary and Gio are 29 and 30. So Yankees got two young players and one old player, uh, and the Twins got two relatively young players. What do you guys think? I think the Twins are making a pretty pretty big leap this offseason. I think they are trying to get back into contention. Um, they're they're stacking the deck again, and I think that's what, you know, obviously what every big league change or is about, especially when it comes to trades and acquisitions and free agent signings, but I, I think that the Twins have a pretty interesting roster, so to speak. I think uh, I, I think they are probably going to be a, a little uh, on the fielding side. They're probably going to be a little bit short, uh, but it seems like they're getting some good batting help, and they're also getting a um, a couple of de- decent lineups on their their pitching stats too. That might help be able to help. But I think overall, it's it's just uh, depends on how it all plays out when the end of free agency comes, and then see how how they look. But I think it's uh, some some decent acquisitions there. Yeah. Um. The Twins' record last year was 73 and 89, and that put them dead last in the American League Central. The White Sox are at the top, 93 and 69, followed by our friend Ian's Cleveland Guardians, 80 and 82. So, uh, the next day, on Monday, we had the Mariners trading Joshua Dunn, Jake Fraley, and Brandon Williamson for Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. Uh, the Mets signed Adam Ottavino to a $4 million one-year deal. The Brewers signed Andrew McCutcheon, and the Phillies signed Brad Hand for one year and $6 million. But the big trade that everyone was talking about Monday that had the largest implications was the Braves trading four players, uh, Christian, Patchy, Shea Langeliers, Ryan Cusick, and Joey Estes to the Athletics for Matt Olson. And this basically shut the door on any kind of rumor that Freddie Freeman would stay in Atlanta. Yeah, I think we all knew that Freddie Freeman wasn't going to stay in Atlanta. Um, I think the Atlanta run was was great, and I think it's gl- I'm glad that they you know won when they did. But I think we all knew that at some point that this off season was going to be the departure of some big pieces. Um, you know, Freddie Freeman going another direction, obviously, and then um, you know I, with Jock Peterson too leaving. I think uh, a lot of these different uh departures for some of their big league players uh i think we all knew that 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 situation wasn't going to pan out for another year uh you know i i I don't really know enough about the players to know whether or not this was a good trade uh but i i I do know that atlanta is going to have quite a bit of holes in their their lineup next year across the board with both batting um and both pitching and and i think they're they're going to be in a situation where they're going to reap the benefits from last year but um, it, it's just going to be one of those things where it's going to take a minute to actually get back into contention, in my opinion. But again, I don't really know a whole lot about Matt Olson, and I don't really know 
a lot about his stats to know whether or not he's going to be a key contributor. I think that there's obviously an incentive for them to pick him up. I think they think he was going to uh, make an impact, but I think they were also hoping and 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 had their eyes set on the fact that Freddie Freeman was going to come back, and they probably thought that um, some of these other free agents were going to resign, and that, that didn't happen. So, um, so yeah, uh, well, I mean, it, again, we'll see what happens here with Atlanta, but I think that their their window of uh, contention is is probably closing pretty soon here. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Um... Matt Olson is an Atlanta native, so that's uh, one thing he's got going for him. He's also 27 years old. Freddie Freeman's 32. If you look at their numbers from last year, um, Matt Olson had a 5.8 war. Freddie Freeman had a 4.7. Matt Olson's batting average, 271 to Freddie's 300. Um, Matt had 101 runs. Freddie Freeman had 120. Matt had 111 RBIs. Freddie had 83. Um, Matt Olson's on-base percentage was 371 to Freddie's 393, and his slugging percentage was 540 to Freddie's 503. So, honestly, the Braves are getting a first baseman that, as far as his hitting at least goes, is on par with Freddie Freeman's. He's younger, so they can play him longer, and they probably got him for cheaper than what Freddie Freeman wanted. So I'm looking at the numbers at least. That's what it looks like. Nice. Uh, But to move on to Tuesday, not a lot really happened on Tuesday. Uh, You had Phillies signing uh, Jerry's Familia, the Pirates signing Heath Hembry and Daniel Vogelbach, and the Yankees agreed to a two-year deal with Anthony Rizzo bring him back at first base. Um, Rizzo's a three-time All-Star, four-time Golden Glove. He's a Silver Slugger and a Platinum Glove. Uh, so a lot of a lot of Yankees fans were, were happy that uh, Rizzo is going to be in New York for a couple of years. Um, like I said, not much really happened on Tuesday. The big day was Wednesday. A lot of big names were signed on Wednesday. To our dismay, Ty, the Rockies got to sign Chris Bryant to a seven-year, $182 million deal. Uh, The Blue Jays traded minor league prospects to the A's for Matt Chapman. The Phillies signed Kyle Schwarber. The Cubs signed Seiya Suzuki to a five-year, $85 million deal. Um, The Royals signed Zach Grinke to one year. And then a couple of the lower ones, Braves re-signed Eddie Rosario for two years and $18 million. The Reds traded Amir Garrett to the Royals for Mike Mike Miner. And the Diamondbacks signed Ian Kennedy to a one-year $4.75 million deal. But those those first ones that we, that I mentioned, those were were the big ones. Uh, what what are you guys feeling on this big Wednesday? It's not going to make the Rockies any better. I feel bad for Chris Bryant. Yeah, you know, I get. I mean, I he's getting money, so uh, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, whatever. That's what I'm most upset about. Stupid Rockies <laughs> taking Chris Bryant. I mean, I get it. They had the money. And, you know, Chris Bryant 
wanted to be somewhere else, even though he told us last year he wanted to be in uh, the Bay Area for the foreseeable future. And he really enjoyed his time here, but apparently more money in Colorado is really what matters most. So uh, yeah. by all means, carry on, Chris. Asshole. Anyway, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I think some of these acquisitions, that's just part of the game. You know, I think people... Uh, are looking for their best-case scenario, both money-wise and for places that I think they think are going to make them competitive. I don't agree, um, but I, you know, whatever. I respect everybody's decision to, um, you know, go pick a team that they think is going to be well-suited, and hopefully, uh, just for the, you know, the, the sake of the player, I, I hope that, you know, the Colorado Rockies build something around Chris Bryant because uh, as it looks right now, the roster doesn't look very frightening to me anyway. But um, right. whatever, uh, here nor there. Uh, I, I I think it's it's a it's a players' league. I think everybody has the option to go make more money wherever they see fit. And you know, I'm happy that he got his deal. And uh, and yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks are just going to be competing for that number four spot basically I, I don't see uh the rockies getting into <laughs> any sort of contention anytime soon. yeah and so good for you chris bryant you got your money but at the same time you're not going to be on a competitive team um the other one that uh i i was kind of sad about was cubs signing seiya suzuki because we were the, the Giants were also looking into him pretty heavily, and you know I, I'd, I'd heard a lot of rumors that we might be able to land him, but unfortunately we didn't. Um, I, I've got some of his numbers saved here. Uh, by the way, Andrew, sorry about that jab to your Diamondbacks, but you know it's true. Oh, that, I thought you were speaking highly of them. <laughs> I mean, wait, you don't think you can like, even compete fourth, for the number four spot? I was like, fourth spot? Wow, we're doing great now. We're doing <laughs> – we've improved <laughs> over the years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, like one of the projections that I saw had the Rockies in, in, in last, so. I believe uh, But uh, Seiya Suzuki's stats from last year he had a 317 batting average with a 433 on base percentage 38 home runs and a gold glove uh so he's he's a really good player i'm glad to see that he's uh gonna be in mlb uh and you know the cubs aren't a terrible team so let's let's see what they do with him uh hopefully they utilize him in the right way and uh he makes the most out of that five years that he's got there um, the next day, Thursday, the 17th, you had the Cubs signing Jonathan Viller and Michael Givens. The Tigers agreed to a deal with Andrew Schaffin for two years, $13 million. The Rangers signed Brad Miller for two years and $10 million. Um, this guy has started at every single infield and outfield position in his career. So he's uh, going to be a good utility player there. And then the big one. Freddie Freeman finally makes his decision and signs with the Dodgers for six years and $162 million. He is back home in L.A. uh, And apparently, from a story that I read, he found out that 
he for sure wasn't going to be staying with the Braves when they signed or traded for Matt Olson, and he was found that out by watching TV. Nice. So, uh, definitely landing in a good spot, and the Dodgers' potential like starting rotation is just getting scary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. We'll see what <laughs> happens when they start playing. Yeah. Um, like they're projected. Whatever. <laughs> glad he got his. I'm glad he's back home on a team and. All that good stuff, but I'm not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, projected lineup for the opening day Dodgers. Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner, Max Muncy, Will Smith, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, and A.J. Pollock. Whatever. With probably Clayton Kershaw on the mound. Whatever, they're still going to lose. <laughs> Uh, as as much as uh, I'm scared of them, they don't scare me. Don't lie to yourself like that. Yeah, I know they're probably gonna win the whole thing. I imagine, but no, it's it's a really it's a really impressive lineup. Um, you got a lot of big league players, so to speak. Uh, a lot of big big league bats and a lot of you know, Mookie bats and stuff. I'm wondering if it, they didn't re-sign Andre Pujols, did they? Um. I can look that up real quick. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, if they have him and somewhere in the lineup too, maybe as like a DH or something. I'm not sure if he's still even playing. But um, you know, he by the way, did big... you mean Albert Pujols? Oh, sorry, Albert Pujols. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Albert Pujols. Uh, they they had him coming off. Um, I think he was like a, a DH last year, and he was uh, he he made some um pretty good plays for them last year, and actually was really helpful in the playoffs so i mean uh obviously freddie freeman's going to absorb a lot of that so if they don't have him um you know that's 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 probably i'm sure they're fine with that but uh it, he was a big he was a big hand to have during the postseason time and um obviously he's just a good you know batter to have in your lineup in any case but um yeah i, I just wasn't sure if they're still keeping that guy or if he uh, re-sign somewhere, somewhere else, but having that alongside with all the rest of the acquisitions, if they continue to keep him, and then also Clayton Kershaw uh, acquisition too is is yeah, it's ridiculous. But whatever, congratulations, Dodgers, you know, for winning the World Series, and appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, from what I'm seeing so far, I don't think they have. Okay. Um, I'd be interested to see where he goes if he's not on the Dodgers this year. Yeah. Or if he's going to keep playing at all. I think he was like, he was sort of dabbling with the idea of retiring. Yeah, right now, uh, from Fangraph's um, free agent tracker, he has not signed with anybody yet. Okay. Well, that's good. Whoever signs him, um, hopefully it'd be the Giants. That'd be great. No, that'd be nice. But, um, uh, that'd be great. And then wrapping up Friday, March 18th, the Padres traded Justin Lange to the Yankees for Luke Voigt. The Dodgers traded mm-hmm. Luke Rayleigh to the Rays for a double-A reliever, Tanner Dodson. Uh, and then 
sliding in there at the end of the night. Phillies signing Nick Castellanos and the Twins signing Carlos Correa. Uh, Carlos signed a three-year, $105.3 million deal with the Twins. That's a lot of money for three years. It is. Yeah. That's too much money. They don't need that much money. Give me some. Uh, like I said, I mean, man, the, 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 the twins are, are trying. They're they're making, uh, you know, they're extending out the hand. They're trying to see what they can do. They're trying to build a roster in Minnesota. Um, they're trying to they're trying to bounce back. And, and shout out to them. You know, uh, let's see how it plays out. I imagine that they're not going to be competitive again this year, but they could surprise everybody who knows um you know I, I know for sure atlanta did when nobody thought that they were competitive and now that they've won um you know it, it's just sort of something to expect now going forward that teams are going to get back into contention again and, and you know they're going to start becoming competitive and uh i i can't wait to see how it shows up whenever the you know the league starts um so yeah let's let's get the ball rolling yeah uh, the last major free agent to still be unsigned is Trevor Story. So we'll be looking to see where he lands in the next few days. If it's not with the Giants, I don't care. No, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, those are all the major moves that happened over the week. Uh, we've got spring training games going on um, right now. Yeah. So it's uh, it's very exciting. We're only what, like twenty days away from opening day now, so getting closer. It's gonna be great. Um, moving on. So real quick, just want to touch on some Hawaii baseball. Uh, last weekend we hosted Rutgers. Um, I told you guys that they won their Friday night game, eleven to ten. Um, but unfortunately, they lost both of the doubleheader games on Saturday, thirteen to one, and then six to two, and then they came back and won on Sunday afternoon, thirteen to seven, to split the series with Rutgers, uh, and they are now in California facing Long Beach State, which Long Beach State has my favorite team name of any baseball team, the Long Beach State Dirtbags. Um, so they lost last night four to nothing and they play again today. Um, so Hawaii is showing a little bit of resilience, uh, but you know, they still got a lot of room for improvement. Um, currently the batting average leader is Nigel Calderon with a 333. Um, the on-base percentage leader is also Nigel with a 500 on-base percentage. Um, and then for RBIs, you got Matt Wong with 10. Uh, Scotty Scott still doing good, 268 with a um, 453 on-base percentage. Uh, as far as stolen bases... You got Cole Cabrera, six for six. So that's really good. Um, but <clears throat> I will be paying attention to the game today. Hopefully they can at least split this series with Long Beach, if not win the next three games. That'd be really cool. Long uh, Beach, 
the dirtbags. That is. Yeah. Cleveland really uh, missed out. They could have had the better. They could have had the better name. Their, their mascot could have been like a train engine. <laughs> Maybe the Cleveland. Uh, all right, so that's all I really wanted to cover with uh, college baseball. I kind of got distracted by everything that was going on with uh, the majors now that it's back and didn't pay as much attention to NCAA. But moving on to the NBA. How are we looking there, Ty? Um, well, you know, it, it's, uh, it's definitely a lot more wide open now than it was before. Uh, I think that the Western Conference is going to shake up quite a bit. Um, you know, the, a lot of teams are having players come back from injury. Jamal Murray is going to soon to be showing up in Denver, and that's going to make them incredibly scary because yeah. if anybody knows anything about Denver, Nikola Jokic is definitely – he's already been an MVP. He was a former MVP in, uh, of the league last year. And so, you know, him adding his starting point guard, uh, Jamal Murray, is, is – uh, going to make them dangerous uh john morant is the next big exciting thing that's happened in the league for a very long time uh i think even with him not being the most prolific scorer he's definitely the most exciting scorer uh, he's one of these people who he's he's like uh you know a Giannis or or some sort of uh lebron type-esque type you know must see tv where every time you see him on tv he's jumping over 40 people making some insane shot or doing something crazy outlandish. So um, I think the Grizzlies have a really good shot of, uh, you know, they have, they're the number two seed right now. I think they have a really good shot of, of upsetting a few of these teams. Uh, you know, the Warriors are without Steph Curry for two weeks. He got injured in a, uh, in a game against the Boston Celtics when Marcus Smart rolled over on his ankle. Uh, so he's out for two weeks. So this gives a chance for Jordan Poole to really show up uh, pretty heavily on that team. And then also, uh, you know, the Suns are still carrying on without Chris Paul. I think they've won seven of their last 12, I imagine, I think. Uh, something like that, or, or seven of the last 13. Uh, so they're, they're, they're playing well. They are, you know, they're picking up the slack of, you know, missing Chris Paul. And so I think they're – it's going to be interesting to see what happens the next couple of weeks. Who, sh- who shows up where? Who falls down where? I think we're going to see – you know, Golden State sliding a little bit to the four and five. Probably going to see the rise of Denver. Denver's probably going to, you know, come up a little bit on the standings and probably land in the third spot. And, um, you know, I, I think it's going to it's going to be really interesting to see how things play out on the eastern side of the, the equation. Uh, I, I I'm still standing firm on the Bucks. I think the Bucks are, you know, the the team to beat. Uh, obviously, they're not half as exciting as some of these other teams like Chicago or Miami. But, um, you know, I, I think they have a really good shot of running it back. They just have a really good squad. And, uh, you know, with all three of them getting, you know, and, and also getting Brooke Lopez back, you know, if they have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis, uh, I think there's a good shot that uh, they, they they run it back in the postseason and go all the way. Uh, you know, it, and I think the only teams that are standing in their way right now, if, if they can get things all put together, is – is Brooklyn, uh, but Brooklyn has a few questions to answer. Like, can Kyrie end up playing a home game? Can Ben Simmons actually end up coming back to play? Can um, can Kevin Durant stay healthy? I mean, all these things are uh, important questions to ask. And you know what this team is going to look like come to play in tournament because I think they're still in like the eighth or seventh spot. So, um, so yeah, it, it, there's a lot of things that could end up happening. 
you know, uh, we could see a lot of a lot of seating changes over the next couple of weeks. And as we're getting closer to that April second or, or the second week of April, where the playoffs playoffs and play-in start, so um, I'm still favoriting the the Bucks to win the East and the West if healthy. I uh, I, I still think that a Warriors have still a good shot. It's either between the Warriors, the Grizzlies, or um, or honestly, it could even be Denver. But I think you know. Uh, I don't know. I don't have I don't have any faith in Phoenix, even though they're at the number one. I think a lot of people are putting them ahead of everybody else, but I just don't. Uh, I don't know. Call it a gut feeling or something. I just don't think they're going to take it this year. Um, even with them doing as well as they have been, I just don't think that they're going to win. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I see things going right now. So. Andrew, anything you want to add there? Nah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Like. I don't have any faith in Phoenix either. Yeah. <laughs> like, every, it, this happens quite often where people are just like, they're going to go all the way, especially with the Phoenix Suns, and then they just choke in the offseason. So you're just like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. That's hopeful, though, at least. <laughs> and, um, and there's a there's a huge difference between, you know, balling out in the regular season and in the postseason. I mean, these are two completely different types of, of, of of competitive like a competitiveness where you know you could be really good in the post or in the regular season but not do well and you know we've seen this several times across you know all different types of sports leagues and uh we've seen it quite a bit of time with with uh <laughs> with this team in particular where they've been really really good during the regular season have shown big flashes and have gone to the postseason and not you know shaped out so um so yeah We'll have to see what happens, but that's that's kind of what I think is gonna gonna play out. I think it's gonna be between the Grizzlies, uh, the Nuggets, or or the Warriors for the West, the Western spot. Yeah. Um, so right now, you know, the uh, only team to even clinch the playoff berth is the Suns, and then Miami has at least clinched their division. And the ones we got to say, so sorry, you're just not even in contention anymore. Pacers, Pistons, Magic, and Rockets. Yep. Get good. Yep. Uh, so moving on from NBA, the NFL had a lot of moves this week. Uh, some that overshadowed others. Uh, which one of you wants to start, and where do you want to start? Uh, I will just start uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Cordero mm. Patterson re-signed today. Uh, yeah. Big, big signing. Thank you, Jesus, he's back. It's Cordero Patterson, he's our number one wide receiver, number one running back, and number one. Uh, he's probably going to end up being our quarterback, too, with all things considered <laughs> at this point. Uh, but he's back. He's back, and he's uh, <coughs> you know I'm waiting for. I'm actually really excited for him because we also signed Damian Williams to a one-year deal, which is also exciting. He was uh, pretty explosive in some other teams. I don't think he got the justice this last year, but that is exciting to me to bring him back. Uh, we also signed Casey Hayward, uh, absolutely on the defensive side. That's a huge pickup on our on our secondary. Him and AJ Terrell next to each other, I think, are probably going to end up at probably the top ten of secondaries in the league. I mean, that's a huge pairing to have those two. 
Um, and then I, I think, you know, uh, obviously we, we lost quite a bit, you know, with the Calvin Ridley situation, but I think we still have a chance to, to grab one of the, uh, you know, one of the elusive wide receivers. And obviously we have some questions to ask answer there with, um, with the O-line, but I think we just also signed Wilkinson. I forget his name, but we saw, I think we signed an offensive tackle, um, from the Browns or not from the Browns, from the Bears, sorry. And he was actually... Yeah pretty good last year so i'm i'm pretty excited for the pickups so far it looks like free agency is looking pretty good we did sign a couple of questionable people from the the, the lions but um you know i i think I, you know i have full trust in in you know what this general manager is trying to do and terry fontenot uh and then i you know i i think that there's some good signings going on there um Another key one to note take as well is the Devonte Adams trade to the Raiders from Green Bay, and also the Raiders picking up Chandler Jones. Uh, I, I don't want to call it yet, but there's a good shot that uh, the Raiders are going to be pretty competitive next year. But I'll also say this too as a take, and I've been saying it quite a bit: um, the pressure is on now for for Derek Carr. Uh, you know, oh, he's, yeah. he's got everything he could ever need and want now at this point. And, uh, you know, he, they, they struck the lottery as far as getting in you know, a number one receiver. And if he doesn't perform well, uh, I think they're going to have to answer some questions in this off season and figure out what they're going to do with, uh, with their car and, and figure out who, who's going to be their guy because they, they've given him everything he needs at this point, the starting lineup now for the Raiders looks like it's going to be Josh Jacobs. Darren, Darren Waller. Um, oh, sorry, I thought I heard something. Uh, Darren, uh, it's going to be Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, uh, Devontae Adams, and I believe they have one other one that I'm missing, and, and Derek Carr. Uh, and that's that's plenty of targets. I mean, he's got a lot of people he can work with. I think that's uh, it's definitely something to to look at as far as when the season starts. Um, that I'm really excited about to see how they're going to play and. Uh, you know, the pressure's on, so we'll see how that shapes up. Uh, those are the two that really come to my mind as far as, like, how the signings are going. Those are the lists, anyway, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, just another quick one to talk about for the Falcons, uh, the fact that we lost uh, Russell Gage as well Yeah, yeah. Uh, to the Buccaneers. Yeah. That one yeah, he, was... he, he thought it was a prank call when Tom Brady called him. He didn't actually <laughs> believe He didn't actually believe it was Tom. <laughs> And I don't blame him. Yeah. I would be kind of uh, surprised too. Also, Tom Brady coming out of retirement. Come on. Like, yeah. your retirement lasted less time than the MLB lockout. <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm sad about that for, like, multiple reasons. Uh, I'm a, I was a huge Tom Brady fan. I mean, I was, I'm a Patriots fan. I was a little peeved when he left because, like, he's just like, no, I'll pay me more money even though he's aging. So, like. No one saw him being like having that whole comeback tour of, you know, I'm old, but fuck you guys. Yeah. So then, you know, we got a little upset by that, but I'm happy with Mac Jones now. But I mean, it just, just for like Brady's career alone, like he could have left and uh, just remained a champion in our eyes, just left with his own grace. And now I don't think he has the pieces or the stamina to make it for sure through a Super Bowl. Well, like, so so the thing is too is that apparently it's been reported that he's also trying to recruit Julio Jones, a 33 year old Julio Jones, who can't yeah. stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, 
and that's kind of the issue he was running into with some of his players last year is that everybody was getting injured and he got an injury prone 33 year old Julio Jones. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying, Andrew. I think he could have walked away from this whole situation and had a pretty yeah. decent resume as is. I think he's thinking, uh, well, I think he was at home with his kids for, you know, five weeks and was like, well, you know, I, you know, I, I miss being at the office. And so I think that's kind of <laughs> all it took really there. But outside of that, I mean, if you're looking at the roster standpoint, I mean, they've already lost a couple of key linemen to, you know, one signing yeah. with the Bengals and one, one retiring. And, um, it's not going to be any easier this year with the rest of the rest of the teams catching up. I mean, if the Rams end up getting Aaron Donald back and they end up, they just signed Allen Robinson uh, to go alongside with Cooper Cup, and they also plan on bringing back Odell. I mean, if we could be looking at the Rams going again, you know, back to back, if they had the full squad over, you know, and, and so um, it, the rest of the league is catching up to him. Uh, or catching up to the Bucks, and I'm sorry, uh, Tom Brady has always been a quarterback who I feel needs to have a full, complete roster top to bottom in order to be the Tom Brady we all know and love. So um, without that, and we saw that last year, he can still get close, but he, I, 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 I don't think he's going to make it all the way uh, this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued to see what the Bucks do. Signing Russell Gage, I don't think is going to answer their issues. I mean, he was he was okay last year, but I mean, uh, obviously, not the ideal guy for them. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and like that's my point is, like last year he couldn't make it entirely work, especially when he started losing Gronk, Godwin, and uh, uh, fucking uh, Brown. But uh, yeah, he couldn't make it work then. So like. I, minus those pieces this year, I don't think he's going to be able to make it entirely work this year either. Yeah. And whereas he could have just left and everyone's saying he's the greatest quarterback ever, he could go through another season or two of just like kind of falling into that slump and then leaving. And then the Buccaneers just spent all this money on him because that's what was happening. They were just throwing shit at him Mm -hmm. to try to get him to come back. Right. Um, So like he could have just fallen into (laughs) – Falling into quarterback heaven and been like the greatest quarterback ever, but now he he might sully his career a little bit. You know, you never know what's gonna happen right now. And also, he's risk he's got he's risking like lifelong injuries now because he is old too. So yeah. like he gets hit in the arm wrong, he gets ripped out of his socket, he tears his ACL. Like he's that, out for a long time. <laughs> yeah, now now his career is over and he has a hurt. <laughs> he has a hurt like back or something. Yeah, so, yeah. He's he's much more fragile now and and every year as he gets older he's just becoming much more much more fragile and and i I love watching this guy play but like man i you should really just (laughs) fall into retirement right now while you're still the greatest right i agree yeah Yeah, like a lot of people did bring that up like if he plays this year and then he gets hurt he's hurt for good uh he could have just enjoyed his retirement healthy and play with his kids or just be in constant pain. Um, but real quick, so Russell Gage's numbers from last year, he played 14 games, 66 receptions for 770 yards and four touchdowns. Um, also, somebody kind of pointed out the fact that over the past, like, six or seven years, Brady's uh, ending in the NFL has been either losing a playoff game next year winning the Super Bowl 
losing a playoff game the next year, winning the Super Bowl the next year. It's been off and on. And it's like last year he lost a, a, a playoff game, so everybody's wondering if he, now he's coming back, can even make it back to the Super Bowl. We'll see. Um, but uh, also you mentioned the Rams, and unfortunately they lost Vaughn Miller. He's now going to be playing for Buffalo, so good for Buffalo. Uh, I uh, actually, I, I like I like the Bills. You know, they're they're a good team, um, and I was actually pulling for them to beat the uh, the Chiefs and make it on to the AFC Championship game and hopefully on to the Super Bowl. But obviously, that did not happen. Um, so let's see what they can do this coming season. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about before we get to the uh, the story that kind of overshadowed everything else. Not immediately. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I still think that, um, yeah, you know, kind of circling back to that point with the box, I, you know, I, I would love to see a situation where, um, where Tom Brady makes a, makes a run again, uh, primarily just to see, you know, how he is able to, you know, take over the league again, but I, I still think he's going to be able to out compete, uh, the Rams with them signing Allen Robinson, that, that offense is, it's going to be a juggernaut this year. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, that's just kind of my opinion, but no, I, that's all I had for that. So. Yeah. I think, I think with the addition of several good teams due to like so many different moves right now going on, uh, because it, we're finding out that it's not just like the best quarterback in the league that you need to like win this thing you, you just like start stacking the deck with just major offensive pieces like you can win everything yeah and with a lot of teams taking that strategy now i don't think tom brady's gonna be able to take over the league on his own yeah i, I think agree. i think that's why he's grasping at straws and now he wants julio jones and like he want he's like i need better people to come back if i'm gonna come back right so yeah no i agree Okay, so the big one that everybody was talking about, the Browns paying $230 million of guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson. Absolute insanity. Like, like we were saying, they, these guys just paid $230 million not, not to a guy to play a game. They paid him to not play a game as well. He just has to sit on the sidelines in a Browns jersey. That's what he's getting paid $46 million a year for right now. Uh, I think what happened really with that is that they panicked. With the whole Baker Mayfield requesting a trade now after they just kind of shit all over him and said, basically said, you know, this guy's better than you. Like, we want him. We're not keeping you. And then him requesting a trade after that too. They're just like, oh, shit, we can't backpedal on Baker now. We're going to be without a quarterback. And I think he was just super, super interested in Atlanta. And it was just really down to the wire close to him signing with Atlanta that they were just like, no, here's money. Please come with us. Yeah. yeah. $230 million guaranteed is not – that, that, that's money you give to a player who just won a Super Bowl for the first time in like 50 years. It's, it's, it's one of those situations where it's a, it, you have to be – a perennial player, like a once-in-a-generational player. Like, you give Patrick Mahomes $230 million guaranteed. You give 
Aaron Rodgers, $230 million guaranteed. No one's upset about that, really, except for the people who are like, oh, well, we're not getting Deshaun or Devontae Adams back. You get Tom Brady, $230 million guaranteed. I mean, you get players who are going to not only be uh, available, which is something you spend money on, somebody who's reliable, but somebody who's going to take it to the next level. Deshaun Watson yeah. is facing 22 civil suits of various amount of sexual uh, allegations uh, regarding his mis- you know his conduct and and also like sexual assault you know sort of situations you don't give a player like that 230 million dollars guaranteed money and then move on from your staple of a quarterback in Baker Mayfield because he's had a step back season like yeah the only reason you do this is because you think that you're a quarterback away from competing for a long time. And these are this is $230 million guaranteed for five years. This yeah. player has, was good in a Texans uniform, sure. Uh, I mean, he went before the whole allegations, but he's missed a year. And he has the potential of being suspended for more games. Uh, hmm. Whether or not it happens or doesn't is here nor there, but... Uh, you know, I, I don't agree with the move. I don't think that there are, um, you know, I don't think there's a full 100% sell-in on, on that from the Brown side either. I think that there's a sort of a consensus that like, hey, uh, this guy is still sort of questionable as far as his character goes. And even though it hasn't been proven to be true, I, I we, there's still a good portion of the Browns fan base who says, hey, we didn't want this guy primarily because of his questionable antics and um, we would rather not give him $230 million guarantee and then move on from Baker Mayfield. Because now what happens is you have to trade Baker and the only place you're going to be able to trade him presumably is either to the Indianapolis Colts, which is an AFC rival at this point now because it's somebody who you're going to have to contend with and the Seahawks who are pretty sold on Drew Locke and the only other exception to that is maybe trading him to a team that needs to be traded, like Atlanta, I guess. I mean, I mean, there's not very many places you can give him to that are going to be in the market for it. So, um, yeah. you know, they just sort of dug themselves into a corner here, and now that they've given up a good portion of their cap to this guy who had still faces the chance of not playing, is just is just ridiculous. Like. It, it's asinine to the next level, and I get that you, your back was up against the wall because you made the, the crappy call of going down to Texas and trying to recruit this guy that you're still not certain can play all, all the way and don't even really know that well. And um, I don't know. It, it, it's really it, – it's kind of a shame, to, to be honest. And, um, and yeah, I, 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 I don't agree with the call. I don't agree with the move. I don't agree with the trade. And – uh, yeah, that's kind of what I think. Just to put yeah. it into perspective of the other quarterbacks in the league right now, so Deshaun Watson getting 230 guaranteed is the most that I'm seeing. The next yeah. most out of that is uh, $101 million guaranteed to Aaron Rodgers. And then his average per year puts him at ranked second underneath Aaron Rodgers. That means he's getting paid more per year than Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, uh, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, Derek Carr, Tom Brady. 
you're telling me that this guy who we don't even know can play a full year this coming year is worth more per year than all these other quarterbacks? No, he's not better than Joe Burrow. He's not better than Tom Brady, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford. He's not better than Matt mm-hmm. Ryan or Russell Wilson or Josh Allen, Mahomes. He's and he's not anywhere near as good as Aaron Rodgers. Like the amount of money I, that he just threw at this guy is stupid. I think he's a better get than like Matt Ryan or Derek Carr for the team. And like for I don't have fifteen million dollars a year. <laughs> no, no, I'm I don't agree with the pricing at all. I'm That's saying, saying. I, I I get that he's he I would say he was be, he'd be a better get than Derek Carr or Matt Ryan for their team. Just like I believe in his talent and how he's going to play, he's going to be a, a great addition to the Browns. Like he's going to bring them improvement. I don't have a question of that. I have a question on whether or not he's going to be able to play the whole year. Like what his value actually is. It's definitely not two hundred thirty million guaranteed. Like. It, like, say if, for whatever reason, they get traded Patrick Mahomes. I would think that'd be a way better get than him. He's making $141 million over 12 years. Like, that's just not money you throw at a guy like this. Even though he is, he is what everyone wants currently to, like, try to make their stacked lineup on their offense. Well, uh, I think it also goes to be said that I'm sure that uh... – in order for the Browns to get Amari Cooper, there was probably some discussion that went into play of like, oh, well, we will have a quarterback. And it was probably, they probably said, okay, well, we're going after Deshaun Watson. And Mm -hmm. we think we're going to be able to get him. And that was probably part of what they said to Amari Cooper to get him to join the team. So I'm sure that without Baker and without Deshaun Watson, uh, they're probably looking at their situation like, well, we just signed Amari Cooper, and if we think we're going to be able to keep him, we need to put a quarterback next to him. And I get the pressure. I get the idea behind it of like, oh, we got to give this guy something to get him to come here. Uh, I'm sure he was just torn off the decision, and so it became a situation of I want to win, plus I need money. Um, and he just looked at the, the, the playing field, and for Deshaun Watson, I'm pretty sure it was a pretty easy call. I mean – the Browns have a much better roster than both the Saints and Atlanta right now if we put them up against each other. I mean, with Njoku, Amari Cooper, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, even on the defensive side, um, they got some pretty good players. Miles Garrett, uh, they, they stand the chance of getting some pretty good defensive assets as well as far as their secondary goes. I mean, they also have a pretty good rushing O-line, which is like the third third best rushing O-line in the league. So, I get it from a standpoint of where Deshaun Watson's looking at it as far as his decision on, and on top of that, you couple that with the $230 million guarantee. Uh, the problem that I would have with it, which is very obvious, which is you're giving this guy money that is unprecedented for a circumstance that is so vague and gray area that you limit your opportunity. If things don't happen now, like, if he's not competitive this year, how are they going to move that contract? Like, like how are they going to trade him to somebody who's going to want to absorb that money for a guy you just spent money on that didn't pan out? Uh, if something happens to Deshaun Watson to where it does turn into a legal situation where it may not, but who knows? We don't know. Um, 
what's going to happen then? I mean, they're going to be sitting here stuck with this contract and they can't move it. Who's going to want to take on a Deshaun Watson contract that's the highest of all of the players out there, including the one that just recently won a Super Bowl? <laughs> like, it's 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 beyond stupid. It's 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 desperate and it's it was so unnecessary and it didn't have to happen because even with Baker's woes from last year, Baker is not that bad. Like a healthy Baker with that team, you can still compete. Um, and you never know. You know the thing is about Deshaun Watson is that he's also a mobile quarterback, which puts him at a high risk. Like we see what happens with Lamar Jackson quite a bit, um, including last year when he got hurt. So. Mm. You know, I, I I understand the need for a superstar quarterback in the league. I understand wanting to go get the guy, uh, but this is not the move. This wasn't the move. This isn't the, this isn't the smartest move. You just got Amari Cooper. You you're getting rid of some spaces to to hopefully grab another wide receiver. Dude, just get a left tackle. Just get a right tackle. Stack up your O line and run it back with Baker Mayfield, like. He just needs a little more time in the pocket and a better system, oh, a yeah. much more cohesive, you know, idea behind him, and you can you can make an impact. You don't need to go get Deshaun Watson. And the fact that you've now spent a majority of your cap and have guaranteed it to this man, uh, I just think you just put a stranglehold on your team. Um, in my opinion, if things don't pan out, the hope is now that they win. They have to win in order for yeah. any of this to make sense. If they don't win. This whole thing is just going to – it's just the worst possible – it's probably going to be one of the worst signings in league history if they don't win. Yeah. Um, uh, just to look at Deshaun Watson's numbers over his four years with uh, Houston. Um, so 2017, he only played seven games, started six. Uh, he was three and three. 2018, started 16 games, 11 and five. 2019 started 15 games, 10 and 5. 2020 started 16 games, 4 and 12. Uh, but his completion percentage, his lowest was the year that he only played or started six games at 61.8. And his highest was his 2020 season at 70.2. And he threw for 4,823 yards and 33 touchdowns with only seven interceptions that year. Um, so sure, he's got the numbers, but once again, the major thing about this is the 22 civil suits that are still pending against him. Now he's been, uh, the grand jury did not indict him on charges for criminal charges, but there's still 22 civil suits that have to be decided and the NFL can still decide to, um, suspend this player. Yeah. Uh, and, and that kind of like ties into our conversation that we had had last week. And that's, we don't know what the outcome of these 22 civil suits is going to be. None of us were there. None of us knows what actually happened. And until that gets decided, like, what it, how, how do you really handle that kind of a situation? I mean, because the thing is, got got is that he, he could be suspended for two to six games. Like and you're looking at half the season that he could be suspended. I mean, you just you just don't know. And so now you're gonna have to answer the question of like, hey, he's not even gonna be able to play. Who's gonna be starting? And if you start zero and six at the worst case scenario without him, 
him jumping into the situation halfway through the season, more or less, uh, is, I mean, what, are you stacking the deck for next year? Like, yeah. Baker Mayfield's ready to go now. He's going to OTAs. Yeah. He's ready to play. The whole, the whole interesting part about that contract, too, is that, like, he got promised 230 over five years. He also got the first year salary up front, like the day he signed. He got 46 mil. <laughs> so, like, I don't know what the hell they're thinking. Like, That's fucking yeah, there's a contingency plan to where if he gets suspended, he gets fined like 55 grand per game. But, like, that's fifty-five grand for five, like for fucking five games. That's a, that's Probably. not even like yeah, that's not even a quarter of what he's getting paid just to play. Yeah, just to be on the like, team, just to be on the like team. He didn't have to be on the field. Yeah, it's like he here's to be a at practice. He doesn't have to be at the stadium. He doesn't have to do any of that shit. All he has to do is just be on the Browns roster, and he makes two hundred and thirty million dollars over five years. Yeah. Insanity. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Dude, he just fixed all of his problems right away. <laughs> like, in one yeah, day. Yeah, that's, that's what I was saying, too. Now he has all the money to settle his lawsuits now, or his, settle, his civil yeah. suits, with the money they just gave him. They just gave him the money to, set, to settle his civil suits. Like, he has enough money now to just say, hey, I'm going to pay off everybody in, in Cleveland to forget about the fact that I'm facing 22 civil lawsuits. I'm going to give yeah. everybody hush money, and I'm pretty sure by the time he pays every single individual, he'll still have about eleven to twelve million dollars. Like right now, with the with the first year salary up front, he could just go and pay each one of the each of those suits two million dollars, and he's fine. He's fine. Oh, he yeah. can sell that right now. He can get out of his out of his civil issues right now with that money. And that's and, and that's kind of what I think they're paying him to do to to do at this point because. <laughs> I mean that that that's the smartest thing uh, in that scenario because obviously you want to get him in there sooner you want to get them winning yada 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 but obviously the the moral compass of that hey I'm gonna pay you off to go settle your civil issues so that you can come back I mean he still can get suspended even with them being settled though too yeah so that's the situation that makes it a little bit more great even if he settles it all now they could still suspend him for two or three games. So you're going to have to answer the call for two or three games. But obviously, I don't think the Browns are going to be concerned over two or three games. They've lost 16 in a row a couple of years ago. So um, I don't think they are too concerned about losing two or three if they know they're going to get him back. Regardless, it doesn't make the situation any better. Uh, right. It's they're... still t- terrible, terrible. So, so on the monetary end, they're paying way too much money for a quarterback that doesn't like pull that kind of money and then on the other end they're getting criticized by not just regular fans but also sports writers for signing a guy that's got 22 open civil cases about sexual misconduct and sexual harassment sexual assault and to make the optics even worse one of the uh, more prominent names that tweeted out in support of deshaun watson was another um, professional athlete who is also suspended from his sport for sexual assault allegations, Trevor Bauer. Like, of course, and he's still on administrative leave until at least April 16th. And it's been reported that Dodgers players don't want Bauer 
back in the dugout with him. Well, yeah, so, the birds of a feather, you know. Having having someone like that tweet out support for Deshaun Watson, and the tweet says, congrats, Deshaun Watson, on the new contract. Can't wait to watch you play again. Happy to see the NFL and their franchises are allowing you to continue your career after all the BS and lies you've been through recently. Onward and upward, the game is more fun with you in it. And I feel like he's not only discounting Deshaun Watson's own allegations by by saying phrasing it that way, BS and lies. He's discounting his own uh, his own allegations, which can't feel good for anybody that's in the other side of that situation. Right. No, I, and I I agree wholeheartedly that it's 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 a certain circumstance where I think it's uh, a little bit of a Freudian slip on his end where he's sort of just basically trying to uh, position a situation where he's speaking on something, but really speaking about his own situation. Like he's, he's showing support through Deshaun Watson, but he finds the similarities in his own cases. And so he's trying to speak on his allegations through Deshaun Watson. And unfortunately um, it is just not a good look, but obviously uh it's one of those situations now that we're looking at it where the the problem with the signing of Deshaun Watson is that not only are you going to get like feedback from other people across the league, but you're also going to get criticism from your own camp. And not only that, but when they travel on the road and go to play in other stadiums, the stuff that Deshaun Watson's going to be hearing and the Browns teams are going to be hearing is going to be otherworldly i mean it's one of those things now where even if you're involved or if you're you're close to Deshaun watson the idea is going to be that you are in support of his actions because you're in the same situation with him or, or you're in the same camp as him so now it's like you know it, it's guilty by association from anybody who's involved so now that you're involving yourself with the browns uh the problem now is that if you support the play you're supporting somebody who has this sort of antics out the field. Um, and that's kind of the unfortunate circumstance with the Browns now. And, you know, it's just, it's not a good look from a, um, from just a moral, from a moral standpoint, from a, from a financial standpoint, from a football standpoint. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous, honestly. And, and I think there was some problem, there's probably some sort of promise from the, uh, from whoever's whoever's involved in the signing on, on Deshaun Watson, that they probably thought that they were, or said promised to him that they were going to rekindle his image. Uh, I, I don't see how you do that. Uh, ben, ben Roethlisberger never really rekindled his image, and that was only from two accusations. Um, this man has 22. Uh, no one's ever going to ever be convinced that he didn't do it, and even if they did. Uh, even if you told him, and, and even if it came out to be that it was all just a slander piece and it was all just a smear campaign, that's not going to change anything. People are still going to 100% believe that he's 100% guilty, and uh, we'll never know. But this case still being, even with that being held over his head, why would you take that liability? Yeah. Why would you even take a chance on that? Yeah. Um, that just ruins the image of your franchise. It ruins the image of your brand. Um. You know, and and you're dividing your fan base. You're dividing everybody who's involved in the in the game, and uh, it, it's just yeah, it's it's a mess. Um, 
to say the least, and it's just a really, really complicated and bad situation to be a part of on all on, on all counts, except for Deshaun Watson, who is presumably yeah, going to get away with something. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he's waking up this morning all smiles, you know, and, and th- there was even a tweet that I saw, from, I think, from either Adam Schefter or something that said somebody's happy, and it showed a post that Deshaun Watson had on his Instagram where he's like, hey, let's go, <laughs> let's do this. And it's like, yeah, of course he's happy. He just got $230 million guaranteed for five years. You give me a quarter of that guaranteed for two months, and <laughs> I'm going to be the worst human being you've ever seen. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, you just gave this guy an out, and, you know, it, it's, it's spitting in the face of people who have actually gone through circumstances that this man is being accused of. It's spitting in the face of people who, uh, you know, have really deep-seated emotions for all these things and people who were not heard on the other side of that spectrum. And, you know, it, it, it's just a really bad optics from every sort of angle you can look at it. And it just has a bad feeling, you know, I get a bad feeling just sort of like looking at that scenario. There was a chance he could have ended up on the Falcons and I'm glad he didn't uh, primarily because I don't want to have to rationalize my support for the team. Right. Yeah. It, um, it really doesn't make sense what all of that just happened. It's like, you're right. Even if all the, all the accusers tomorrow come out and say like, yeah, we faked it all. Like this guy is completely innocent forever he's still going to be like well he's possibly a rapist and it doesn't matter like his image is going to be that so it's baffling as to why the browns would just throw that much promised money at him when he's definitely not worth that and like they probably just think they can clean up his image like they did with kareem hunt too so like i i don't know i don't understand what the hell's going on yeah well do you guys know my position on it? I, I, I kind of voiced my opinion on this kind of stuff last week and this week. I, it's ridiculous. He doesn't deserve that much money, even if he didn't have the 22 allegations, but now you have the 22 allegations and you got to question what the team is really thinking and how that makes, you know, that that made Baker Mayfield feel a certain kind of way, and we saw that when he decided he wanted a, a trade. And you got to think that when the Falcons were going after him, that made Matt Ryan feel a certain kind of way too. Uh, so he got two teams yeah, I, that were kind of. I'd be surprised if they bring back Matt. I don't know what they can do about that situation. I guess you know Matt's making forty million a year, which is not two hundred thirty million guaranteed for five years. But he is making enough to where I, I think he might be able to just look past it for another year before he retires or decides what he's going to do. But I'm I'm curious about that front, too. I mean, Matt Ryan's wife on Twitter was very adamant about his him being upset, and I would be, too, if I found out that my team is trying to move on from me and to a, uh, you know, a questionable piece, so to speak, or, you know, even to speak lightly on it. Um but yeah, I uh, I just I don't know I I, I don't really know uh, I don't know what you do about that situation when it comes to Matt Ryan. You know, it's just yeah. You know I mean? So we'll see what shakes loose this next week. Um, I think that about does it for us for this week. We talked at length about that Deshaun Watson trade, but 
Look on the bright side, guys. We got baseball back. We got more things to look forward to this coming week. And um, hopefully, uh, hopefully Hawaii pulls out this series this weekend and uh, we get a better picture of who's really going to be in the top or the bottom two spots for the NBA playoffs. So once again, thanks to everybody for listening. Um, hit us up with any advice or any uh, requests that you got. We'll see you next week. Peace.